You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Once again, everybody, welcome to this latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. It is produced by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles are at a crossroads, you might say. Uh, this is a team that is at rock bottom right now, and they have nowhere to go but up. Uh, they have a lot of issues to, to rectify. Uh, they have a lot of gaps to fill on this team. And from what we're learning, they have a lot of in-house issues to smooth out. Uh, if you guys follow The Athletic, and I would advise you to follow The Athletic, a great story just came out recently called Paranoia, Mismanagement, and Office Politics, Inside the Eagles' Downfall under Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. It was written by three guys I have a lot of respect for, Shio Kapadia, Bo Wolf, and my guest on this Gun on One podcast, a guy I've known a long time, I have the utmost respect for, not only as a colleague, but as a friend. It is Zach Berman. Zach, it's been a while since we've chatted, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. It truly is a pleasure to be on on your podcast. I I spent a few years there doing a lot of television with you, and and you were yep. instrumental in. So it's it's great seeing your face and being on with you. Thank you, Zach, man. Uh, and and I, I can't tell you enough how enlightening and eye opening this article was. I read it twice. I had to read it twice. Thank you. And, 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 and you know, I, I think I know a lot about the inside mechanisms of yeah. the Eagles, but there were some points in that article that had me saying, wow, you know, and that's when you know you've done your homework, when you can get a wow factor out of an article like this. What made you guys decide to, to write this article? Sure. Sure. Well, first off, uh, I, I know I'm on here, but but like you said, Shil Kapadi and, and Bo Wolf uh, wrote this as as well, reported as well. So, uh, they deserve a lot of the credit here. Um, what 
made us write this was was this that the Eagles went from Super Bowl champions to a four win team that fired their coach and traded their franchise quarterback. So that was that was really the onset of it. Was was we said, all right, what happened? Right, there was nothing beyond that that was the impetus for the story. We were just trying to figure out how they went from where they were to where they are now, and that required uh, getting in touch with a lot of people and and posing that question to them and reporting what we learned and obviously vetting it across a a lot of different people to, to make sure that we weren't just reporting one person's opinion or one side of it, but really making sure that this was independently confirmed. And, and so the, the reason it took as long as it did was, was to have legs underneath us in our reporting. How long did you work on this story? We spent about two months on it, right? So, okay. so really when the, the Carson trade was going into motion, um, that, that was when we started on this. Um. The Eagles management side declined to contribute to this story. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm I'm looking at a lot of the quotes in, in this article, and I'm not surprised that former employees um, decided to give you guys anonymous quotes. But were you surprised that current employees contributed to this story as well? Look, I mean, I I think as as far as the reporting went, it was to make sure that that we were painting uh, as accurate a picture as possible about what was going on. So so uh, you know, I, I I think that's that's ultimately um, that was the north star, if you will, in this. And and so I I wouldn't characterize anything by surprise. You know, as 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 a reporter, because you did this as as well as anyone. What you do is you build relationships. Uh, you, you know, you you. You're professional and how you go about it, and I, you know, you 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 hope people uh, see that and act accordingly. Do you think Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have put such a strain on the in-house working mechanisms that they might not be able to repair them? Good question. I I don't think it's beyond repair, but I I do think it's going to take some reflection as as to how they reach this point. And again. I want to emphasize this. I don't necessarily know if the problem in there is the people per se. I think it's the process, right? I think there's a lot that must be worked on from a relationship perspective, the interpersonal dynamics, different departments need to work together. When you look at the word collaboration, it can't just be a buzzword that you use in press conferences. It needs to be something that that is ingrained within the organization. And it only happens if different departments work together, and understand how decisions are made. I'm not saying everyone has to agree with decisions that are made, but they have to understand the process that's that's being made. So when a decision is made, it's an organizational decision. It's not, this is the coach's decision. This is the scout's decision. This is the analytics decision. This is the owner's decision. That's not productive. What's productive is having an Eagles decision, and that only happens when departments are truly working together, and it's not just the buzzword that's used in press conferences. When I found out this story came out and started listening to a lot of the feedback on radio and, and, and reading a lot of the feedback on social media, the one constant that I kept coming across is this appears to be a dysfunctional organization. Um, is that one of the messages that you were trying to get out there? Or does the word dysfunctional not true, uh, truly and, and accurately 
describe what you guys were trying to portray? I think we were trying to portray the truth, right? And and, yep. and so as as far as it being dysfunctional, look, that's I suppose that's open to interpretation and open to comparison. Uh, you know, one thing that we also tried to look at is how does this compare to other organizations in the league? And 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 the thing I, I will say is if you look at Jeffrey Lurie's track record here, and and, and this is like an objective reality that uh, they've been successful during Jeffrey's time here when. You look at the games that they've won, the division championships they've won. They won a Super Bowl. When you look at it compared to him before, so I, 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 I certainly don't want to say like it's a, it's a bad organization per se, and and uh, it's it's probably right now it's probably middle of the pack. Um, you know there are organizations that are run worse than the Eagles. There are organizations that are run better than the Eagles, uh, but there are issues within the organization at this moment. That must be addressed. That must be fixed. If 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 they're going to rectify it. Also, the thing to point out too, and 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 you were there on the front line seeing this, 2015, 2016. This this wasn't like the 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 smoothest organization in the world, and they won a Super Bowl in 2017. It's not hard to fix these. It's just a matter of 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 self awareness, having the right people, having the right process, and making the right decisions. Mm, good point. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing in your perspective that Jeffrey Lurie has more involvement in the day-to-day operations of the of the football aspects of what's what's going on? Because as you know, a lot of times, well, those rare times we got to speak to Jeffrey, he would always tell us, you know, I hire people to do their jobs and I try to stay out of their way. Now it appears that he's having more involvement yeah. with these daily activities. Yeah, so I I think Jeffrey is is a is a smart man who who's who's been around football really here for four three decades and was obviously a passionate fan before he owned the team. So uh, to say like like I you know I I think he he offers perspective that's often informed. The question is how is it, how is his input being taken? Is it tipping the scales? Is it based on um, a particular side? Is it influenced more from the analytics side? Is it influenced more from the scouting side? Is it influenced based on what, how he's saying? So really it's, it's like what, what I don't think it's, it's bad if your owner is there asking questions, seeing how the process is, uh, seeing how decisions are, are being made. I think it's, it's bad if you have scouts on the road for nine months and, and, and coaches who are giving their input and analytics are giving their input and then you're making a decision that's that's not you know that that is um that i i guess doesn't unify the organization and and that's what i i, I would really say is is that uh if if you're taking all these different departments and you're putting and you have the eagles draft board and you're making a decision based on the eagles draft board then even if people aren't happy with the decision they know how that decision is being made i think more of the problem is when you have uh, scouts who who don't feel empowered, let's say, because you know they're on the road, and then it comes to the draft process, and they feel like this decision is influenced by the owner, this decision is influenced by the analytics department, or this, this decision is influenced by the coaching staff. So uh, I know it's a roundabout way of saying like it's it, uh, when I look at Jeffrey Lurie's involvement, it's it's not Jerry Jones having final say over the roster. And it's not the perception of Daniel Snyder. I, I think Jay Gruden once said he came off his yacht. And he said, pick this quarterback, right? Like Jeffrey Lurie is involved and he's informed. But what you don't want is you don't want that tipping the scale for reasons that are not understood by the people within, it, within the organization. 
when this team came out of the Chip Kelly disaster, a lot of us felt that they were going to hire a coach who was the complete opposite of Chip Kelly, somebody who was in-house friendly, uh, approachable. And, of course, they'd go out and hire a Doug Peterson and Andy Reid uh, protege. Now, as I, I picked out a couple of things from this article, and it said, based, and based on this article, uh, one aspect where it states he was ridiculed and criticized for every decision, and a source was quoted as saying, they treated Doug Peterson like a baby. And as we look at it now in hindsight, that's exactly what it appears like they did with Doug to the point. Doug said, you know what, enough of this, and, and, and bowed out of the situation. Sure. And and again, some of it might be, you know, uh, if, if two people are having a conversation, one side has a different interpretation of how that conversation goes to the other side. Um, that being said, uh, I do think it's problematic if your head coach doesn't feel empowered, if he doesn't feel empowered to build his own staff, if he doesn't feel empowered to make his own decisions. I think it's it's productive to, you know, debrief a game, to debrief decision making, to to figure out, you know, you know, what could you do better here? What could you do better there? It's not productive if your if if your leadership uh, feels the way we learned that or a, 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 at least the perception exists that um, that they don't feel empowered or, 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 or they feel like they're being micromanaged. I, I think that is problematic. So, yeah. So Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson uh, was a Super Bowl winning coach, right. In his second year, but I also don't want to absolve Doug Peterson uh, because, you know, look, he, he did not do a particularly good coaching job this past year. And he did not make, you know, he had decisions that, that, uh, that I think there's a lot um, to go to go around when you look at how this was a four, one team, that being said, uh, from the big picture perspective, you need to trust your head coach. If you don't trust your head coach to fill out his staff, if you don't trust your head coach to make the right calls on Sundays, then you don't trust your head coach. In my opinion, uh, the article characterized the organization as one of paranoia, uh, second guessing lack of transparency, man, that's a kiss of death for an organization. Would you agree or disagree with that? <laughs> uh it well from a workplace perspective yeah. i imagine that that's that you know that could be a challenging workplace right yeah. if 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 you have those concerns or if if you don't feel the leadership structure is is there's if, if you don't feel there's transparency in decision making if there's paranoia um yeah that that would strike me as as an unproductive uh, as, as something that could be unproductive for employees uh one of your sources um uh said that over the past 2 years that some of Howie Roseman's worst instincts have returned. What do you think they meant by that? I think that Howie was genuine um, and, and sincere when he came back into power, right? After the Chip Kelly, you know, after the 2015 season uh, and, and really uh, working together, right? With, with uh, different, you know, and uh, empowering the people around you and understanding kind of the scope of the job. Um, but I think that, uh, look, I, I, I think over the past few years, you could say, well, uh, something we've heard is, yep. is that those, those, uh, those survival instincts kick in. Right. And, you know, you're, you know, when there's, you're trying to, to, uh, to, um, yeah, you're a survivor, you know, yep. I, I, I don't think, I don't think that's an unfair characterization when, uh, the head coach has been fired. 
the franchise quarterback has been traded and the GM remains in place, right? They, there's a right. certain amount of survival instincts that one must have. And, and I, I should say too, like there were people we spoke to who looked at the survival instincts with admiration, you know, that, that like, it's not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. And also like to get, you know, I will point this out to get from how, well, from, from where Howie Roseman was when he entered the organization yep. to be a GM in the NFL, uh, you, you need to have certain instincts to get there. Right. Um, yep, so I, absolutely. I, I think, I think that is, uh, you know, so that might not be a bad thing. What I think is counterproductive when there's as many people in the organization, uh, who, or who we've spoken to, who, who, who don't, who feel the way they do about the process, about the workplace. Um, that's, that's counterproductive, uh, when the GM is tasked with, with really instituting this culture of collaboration that certainly sounds like was deficient. Do you think moving forward, Howie is part of the solution or the problem? Uh, if, if, if frankly depends if, if he's, if he's reflective or if he's reactive, right? Like if, 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 if he looks at the characterizations and says, what can I do better? How can I improve? Then I think he can be part of the solution. If he looks at these characterizations and he says, how did this get out there? Uh, this isn't the way it, it, it is. Then it might be part of the problem because then that's, that's really just sticking your feet in, into the ground. Um, now, I, I, I think Howie had – look, Howie built a Super Bowl winning team, right? Um, he's, he's had a, a lot of success. He's made some good decisions, uh, especially 2016, 2017. When you look at the free agency class in 2016 and 17, when you look at some of the trades that were made, uh, he, he, he did objectively speaking, a really good job during those two years, but you can't look at those two years and think you found the secret sauce. Right. And I think that, uh, I think the organization will, they fool themselves if they, if they think that what has happened since then is because they were trying to extend that Super Bowl window. No, they've had picks. They've had money to spend. They've made bad decisions. They've made, they've made draft picks that haven't worked out. They made signings that haven't worked out. Um, and, uh, it was not, it was not the strategy that was the problem. It was the execution. That's the problem. So I think it, it comes down to whether they are reflective about it as opposed to reactive about it. Why do you think Jeffrey is so loyal to Howie? Uh, you know, this is a question that came up quite a bit in our reporting. We asked people, um, and there are a few different theories. There's the theory, there's there's a theory that that Jeffrey trusts Howie, right? He's he's been around Howie. He likes Howie, um, so that's uh, so that's that's one theory. Um, there's there's also the understanding that, and, and this is something that I've I've written quite a bit about even before this story. Jeffrey doesn't view the general manager football executive role. I think the way the public does. Jeffrey views it. Jeffrey doesn't view it like that guy's there. To pick player X and pick player Y. Uh, Jeffrey views it that 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 job is so much larger in scope, and what you need to do is is you need to have uh, a strong scouting department. Obviously, you need to have a strong um, sports science. You need to have strong medical staff. You need to have strong analytics department, and that job needs to bring it all together. Frankly, I don't think they've done a good enough job bringing that all together to the point that that there's there have been rifts between those departments. So in that area, 
uh, Howie hasn't, uh, you know, I, I think Howie must improve. That being said, um, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a big job in Jeffrey's perspective and how he has, has abilities into, you know, and, and, uh, and the intelligence that, that I think Jeffrey thinks he's uniquely suited for the way Jeffrey views that role, you know, the, of something that, that come that came up that I, I think is, is pretty interesting is, is like, you can look at the GM job as almost a CEO of the organization, or you can look at it like he, you know, it's a glorified player personnel executive and the Eagles, it's very much the former. It's the CEO of the football side of the organization. You know, and I don't have to tell you this, but it it just always amazes me that how many people want to run Howie out of town right now. And that, that, that was one of the reasons why I asked you the question I just asked you, because you brought it up a few moments ago. When you look at the bigger scheme of things, you know, say what you want to say about a Howie Roseman, but this Eagles organization is one of the winningest organizations over the yeah. last 10 years. It is one of the more profitable organizations over the last 10 years. And it has been a destination where a lot of primetime players want to come and play over the last 10 years as well. You are right about that. And, and look, uh, you know, the, I, I would say too, that coverage is often a reflection of the moment. I am speaking, I am, I am speaking to you and you see behind me, there's a, you know, there's a book I, I wrote from the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, Right. Um, and, and, uh, if we were to have this conversation on February 4th, 2018, the characterizations might be different. Winning does a lot. Right. But when you are a four, one team that fires your coach and trades your franchise quarterback, then it's going to be viewed differently. And so, you know, that, that ultimately, uh, the, the the results are going to are, are going to determine the way people think about you. If if uh, if you are in the playoffs every year and you're competing for the last game of the season, then people might say, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a hard charging workplace. Right. You know, but if if you're a four win team that fires a lot of people at the end of the year that trades the guy you build the team around, then people say it's dysfunctional. So often. Uh, the results determine the the perception of it. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. and by the way, I'll I'll say like that same logic applied to Carson Wentz, right? Like when 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 Carson Wentz was was an MVP candidate player, yep. his personality was described as like Type A, you know, exacting. And when Carson Wentz was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this past year, he was you know you know he, he was uncoachable. He was you know he was this is it so. Ultimately, your performance dictates the perception. You know, and another part of the reason why I asked you the question I asked you was because when you look at where the Eagles were just three years ago and you look at how they've steadily declined since then, most cases it has cost the GM their job. And yet here, Howie Roseman has outlasted the franchise quarterback. He's outlasted the Super Bowl winning coach. And basically, he has outlasted just about every entity that was a part of the Super Bowl winning process. You're correct. And look, I mean, that's that's a it's a I mean, it's not even an opinion. It's a statement. Right. Like like that is fair. That is fair. And when when uh, when Jeffrey Lurie fired Doug Peterson at, at, at Jeffrey's press conference, those questions came up and they were fair questions, given the fact that often. The coach and the yeah. GM are either tied at the hip, and certainly the GM and the quarterback he drafted are often tied at the hip, right? Right. Not and not exclusively, but 
uh, often the case. Um, so that being said, that's that's a that's a fair question, and 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 Jeffrey clearly has confidence in Howie, and and perhaps it's a matter of Jeffrey. Um, you know, look, Howie lets Jeffrey be involved, right? Howie's not not like closing the operations off from his boss, and uh, you know, if if you think that's that's part of why Jeffrey likes having Howie in there, um, because that is a theory that we heard. Uh, but, uh, but that being said, Jeffrey clearly still has confidence in Howie and he's going to let Howie repair this and Howie, you know, seems to have a, a, a runway here considering the fact that they traded back in the draft. They have these three first round picks next year. So it's, it's, it's not as if like Howie's in a make or break year, given, you know, the, uh, the way they are, uh, positioning themselves for 2022. Uh, but it's a very fair question to say. Why is the GM still standing when the coach has been fired and the quarterback's been traded? So exit Doug Peterson and enter this Nick Sirianni, who I refer to as the second coming of Doug Peterson. You know, similar similar ways they got here. Never a head coach in the league, mm-hmm. in, endorsed by a head coach uh, that has a lot of respect around the National Football League. He brings in this young staff, and it appears on the surface that Jeffrey and Howie have now hired another coach that they can bend his ear whenever they want to. Yeah. And, and that perception is definitely out there. Uh, and look, Nick's going to have the opportunity to, to either win or lose on his own merit, but, but certainly I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say when you're the head coach in this organization, um, you need to take into account a lot of things that your bosses want you to take into account, such as the use of data, uh, in terms of in, in terms of informing your game day decisions, um, in, you know you're not going to have the same type of control of the roster as some other coaches might have. Uh, it's it's the nature of being the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and and certainly there have been people on the outside who looked at the hire of Nick Sirianni, someone who uh, was was not interviewed by like four other teams. You know he was he was not considered one of the hot candidates this year. And someone who was not in their initial wave of interviews, and say that the Eagles went with someone who, uh, who 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 maybe offered the least resistance from management influence perspective. That being said, and you know this because you covered it closely, Doug Peterson was not like the top choice when the Eagles made that exactly. in, 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 in in 2016, and he won a Super Bowl in year two. Um, so uh, you know, I. I might not have been my wife's first choice, right? But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but you know, ultimately, what matters is, is whether or not you're the right choice, and I think that uh, that is 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 going to be determined by how Nick Sirianni uh, does over the next few years. Okay, so we're looking at a roster right now that is lacking in marquee talent. Uh, it is right now going to be run by a, an untested quarterback. Um, and you, you look at where they are in the draft and how much they need to replenish. Um, are we looking at possibly another 2020 season in 2021? Well, it's a good question because it's hard to say at this point without knowing how, how the quarterback, you know, going into 2020, I certainly did not expect Carson Wentz to play the way he did. Um, there's, but I, I knew, you know, what the offense would look like. I knew what the defense would look like. I, I, uh, these, I don't know what these schemes are going to look like. Clearly the roster is adjusting 
And the quarterback, there's a great unknown in terms of how Jalen Hurts will do over 16 games, or, or I should say 17 games now. Uh, that being said, there's a school of thought, and, and you've heard this before from Joe Banner, that if, if you are strong along the line of scrimmage on both sides, then you're going to be competitive. And I think unequivocally, the strength of this team, when they are healthy, it's the offensive line and it's the defensive line. And if you can protect the quarterback and you can rush the quarterback, then you're a, then you can be a better team than people think. And so I I don't I I think if if Brandon Brooks is back healthy, if Lane Johnson's back healthy, if Jason Kelsey doesn't regress, if they have strong play from the left tackle, and then on the defensive side of the ball, if 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 they're getting production from Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and Javon Hargrave and Josh Sweat, then they're going to be better than people think because of 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 the line play. Now I certainly don't think they're contenders. I certainly don't think this is a team that's positioned to win the Super Bowl this year, but I don't think this is a team that's going to be like one of, you know, I, I don't think they're a one in 16 team next year, for instance, uh, unless they have injuries uh, along the offensive and defensive lines. You touched on something I'm going to circle back to for just a moment. As loyal as Jeffrey is to Howie, when you look at this draft this year and how much they have to replenish the cupboard, so to speak. Do you think this is a make or break year for Howie or no? I don't. Okay. And the reason I don't think that is because I, I think Howie uh, is putting is putting a strategy in place. Um, and I and and look, I don't think Howie's operating in a vacuum. Like as as we've established here, right. Jeffrey Lore is very much involved. And so Jeffrey is on board with the strategy. I think what they're doing is clearly with the cap, they decided they're going to take it on the chin this year, right? That was part of the reason for the Carson Wentz trade yep. was it wasn't just the player evaluation. It was that if there is unknown about Carson and he struggled in 2021, then that cap hit it like like that. That would come at some point. So they took it on the chin this year. Um, and what they want, they created flexibility with cap space in 2022 and certainly in draft resources in 2022. So I think they're looking at this like more than a one year fix. I right. think what they're doing all is is they're taking it, they're taking their medicine this year and I think ultimately how he's going to be evaluated uh, by Jeffrey from the combination of the 2021 and 2022 offseason. Uh and, and then if if they are if if they make if they have a bad draft this year, they have 11 picks right now yep. and they don't have their quarterback situation figured out in 2022 then that would be problematic, I think. But uh, I think they're viewing this more as like a long-term strategy perspective. All right, I'm going to put you in the draft room for just a moment. They need a left tackle still. They need another number one wide receiver. We don't know even know who that is right now. They need another edge rusher. They definitely, definitely need a helping linebacker. They need a cornerback opposite Darius Slay. Whether they stay at number 12, move up, or move down, if you had the final say... Yep. For the Eagles in a 2021 draft with their first pick, what are you doing with it? So this is what I'm doing. I am going up to the board where our depth chart is. I'm ripping that depth chart off the board. And I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying we are not thinking about anyone on this roster right now. Okay? Uh, because frankly speaking, they don't have enough blue chip talent. Right. And all their and their best players are over 30. They it, it we can count on one hand the building blocks under the age of 25 on this team. Okay. So what I'm saying is. Who has the best chance of being a top of the league player? 
Not how does this guy fit in my scheme? Not can this guy play the slot versus the outside? Not how is this guy rushing the quarterback in Jonathan Gannon's defense? I am saying who has the best chance of being a top of the league player? So, for instance, if Kyle Pitts is somehow available for the Eagles, it doesn't matter that Dallas Goddard's on your roster. If you think this guy has the best chance of being a perennial all-pro player, that's your pick. If Sewell is available for the Eagles, um, it doesn't matter if you invested in Andre Dillard in 2019 or Jordan Maialata showed promise in 2020. If this guy can be a top-of-the-league left tackle, that's your pick. Now, it's likely neither one of those are on the board there. But, but uh, you know, Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn, what I'm doing is I'm saying who has the best chance of being elite, not who fits best in my offense. Because, by the way, I think that was part of the problem with the Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager situation last year is they were focused too much on their roster. And they've made, they've made decisions in the past based on their roster. They are not good enough to do that. What they need to think about is who, who has the best chance. So I, I, the answer to your question is uh, if, if Pitts is there or Pitts is within range for a trade, that is who I would go after. You know, whoever they pick, wherever they pick, this first round pick has to be a cornerstone for this exactly. organization. Uh, not some, not just over a four year contract, but I'm talking seven, eight years. This guy needs to be somebody that you know is going to be stabilizing a position beyond that first contract that he gets. You agree? I agree wholeheartedly because look, that's that's why I go back to what I was saying with how the Eagles are fooling themselves if they think that the problem is, is that the problem with their roster right now is them trying to extend that Super Bowl window or or fitting in that Super Bowl window. The problem is this: their their first and second round picks, so their most prized assets over the past three years. You're looking at uh, Andre Dillard, JJ Ortega, Whiteside, Miles Sanders, Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts, uh, and uh, Dallas Goddard. So those are six players over the last three drafts. Okay, how many of those guys are? your foundation pieces. That's the problem right there is they have not hit on those picks. And so, uh, so you are absolutely right. They need a franchise cornerstone and it doesn't matter how he fits in the system, build the system around the franchise cornerstone. Mm -hmm. You know, and and a good thing also is, as you mentioned, and I loved how you said it, this team basically is going to take its medicine in 2021, but they have such a surplus of draft picks over the next couple of years. And we've seen other teams do this. You can come out of this in a couple of years instead of five or six years down the road. You could if you hit on your picks, right? If, like the, if, the, the biggest ab- word in the dictionary, if. Yep, the, 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 uh, it's much easier. It's, it's much easier to build assets than it is to spend them correctly, right? So yep. how he's doing a good job in terms of, uh, getting these valuable picks, right? Like, you know, since the end of the season, he's, he's, he's added potentially two first round picks in 2022. I'm depending on Carson's playing time. The easiest thing to do, or or I shouldn't say the easiest because it's not always easy, but it's much easier to have the theoretical pick value Mm -hmm. than it is to have the practical, like hitting on the pick. So uh, they can get out of this quickly and be in a decent situation with building block players on cost controlled rookie contracts if they hit on picks, but if they miss on picks, then we're having the same conversation in 2022. Hey Zach, how's it been doing your job over the last year from home more? So I know I I can remember you and I 
having a conversation one year when you said, if you could, you would sleep at the Novacare complex. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You said, yeah. D-Gun, that's just how I am. I would yep. sleep at the Novacare complex because I love football so much. So how has it been doing your job from home compared to being in the front lines on a daily basis? Good question. Uh, <laughs> look, it's been an adjustment because, you know, the, 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 the two principles that you always hear when you do this is, is be there and be fair, right? Yep. Yep. Well, I haven't been able to be there for a year, basically. Um, and so much of this job is about relationships. I'm covering players on this team who I have not met in person. Yep. Right. And, 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 uh, and when you, you know, so much of it is not just showing your face after a guy throws an interception or, uh, or, you know, a, a guy's benched, but, but being there on that Friday in August when, you know, other people aren't and they see, you know, you know, they see this guy's putting in the work, right? Yep. Uh, because I, I, I do think people notice that we haven't been able to do that and we haven't been able to build those relationships and everything's organized over, over zoom. Um, so it's been an adjustment. That being said, uh, one thing I really want to emphasize is that like, when you look at the list of people who've really been affected by the pandemic during the past year, the plight of football writers is so far down that list. So, mm. uh, I am, I am not going to complain. It's forced us to be creative. Uh, I have a phone here, you know, yeah. I can call, I can text and, you know, we've had to find different types of stories. So the way we covered the team has been different, but you're absolutely right. Uh, in, in that, uh, my impulse is to be there as much as I can, yeah. never to miss a press conference, never to miss an interview, always to make sure I talk to every player in that locker room every week. And I have, I haven't been able to do that in a year. So, so how domesticated have you become? How much has the honey-do list expanded over the last year? And of course you have two kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got, I'm not as good on the grill as you are, but, uh, <laughs> but I've been, I've been learning. I I've been grilling more, you know, because, uh, I'm home for dinner a lot more now. And, um, uh, you, you know, it's it, on a, on a personal level, I'll, I'll say this, it's, it's, it's been nice in that, uh, you know, my kids are, are, are young, they're three and two. Yeah. And so I've really like, I've seen them grow up in front of me, um, during this past year. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, ha we didn't travel. So there were, uh, Saturdays during the yeah. fall when I was home, when in the past I would be, uh, getting from the airport to a hotel. Um, so yeah, so look that I, mm. there's been much more time at home. That's, that's, that's been nice, but I miss, I, I can't tell you, like, it's going to sound weird to say I miss being in that locker room. I miss being uh, on the road in games. Um, you miss the action. A, a, a fun part of this, you know, there's I, I, a, 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 a big part of this job is yeah. like being in the action, being around the story. And uh, it's a lot different when you're doing it from home. All right, so what's more difficult? Because, see, one of my daughters and her husband and my two-year-old grandson live with us, and I refer to him, as much as I love him, I refer to him as a two-year-old demolition expert. So you have kids that are three and two. So what's mm -hmm. more difficult, chasing them or writing stories? Chasing them. <laughs> with, with, chasing them. With, with, without a doubt. Uh, although sometimes, sometimes when you're trying to – chase a player to the locker room who doesn't want to talk to you. Right. It's, it's like one in the same, right? You know? Exactly. So it prepares you, it prepares you for that. Right. Neither, you know, if, if, uh, uh, I guess the common thread is sometimes neither one of them is listening to you. 
All right. If, if for those of you out there, if you don't follow the athletic, I'd advise you to do so because of guys like Zach Berman and Shio Kapati and Bo Wolf, they write incredible stories each and every week. Uh, so I'd advise you to subscribe to the athletic, the latest story coming out. That's already out. Zach Berman, Bo Wolf, Shio Kapadia, uh, the paranoia mismanagement and the politics inside the Eagles downfall under Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman. It is worth reading not once, but more than once to get a better understanding of the inside working mechanisms of what has transpired with the Eagles over the last couple of years. Zach, man, I can't thank you for taking time to be on gun on one, the podcast, man. Always a pleasure talking to you, whether we're talking professionally or away from the game itself. It's my pleasure. I've missed it, D-Gun. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of Gun on One, the podcast, brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. For my man, Zach Berman, I'm Derek Gunn. Thank each and every one of you for listening each and every week and imparting, as I always do. All of you out there, stay blessed, but more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, so long, everybody. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Elvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Elvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.